This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Mount Park. Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at sandiego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Hello and welcome to Savor, a production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we have an episode for you about kiwi fruit. Yes. Yes. This is a... This is one of those that I was not expecting a lot of the history that I encountered. Yeah, um, I don't think I knew anything about this fruit. Um, and no. it actually took me longer than I expected to figure out a number of things about it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yep. Uh, was there any particular reason this was on your mind? Oh, oh, I don't know anymore. Uh, <laughs> I was thinking about plants and then I, I guess maybe I was looking for something that's vaguely seasonal mm, and I was mm -hmm. thinking about I, I mean kiwi aren't really seasonal right now but um mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I do associate them with summer because they're so bright and lovely yeah um I actually have very specific memories of kiwi and funnily enough, the next episode we're doing, full episode, not a classic, um, is related to it, even though oh. it shouldn't be on page. It's really funny. <laughs> it brought back memories that are from the same time. Uh, I didn't have much kiwi growing up at all. Oh, really? Oh, Like, I'm not sure. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I think my... I think I had them because my my dad was super familiar with them from being restaurant industry and using them more as a garnish than anything else. Um, yeah. But uh, what was also like this garnish is really delicious. He introduced star fruit to me the same way. And Oof. and I love both of those things. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. But so, yeah. Yes. I So, I did a summer abroad what is it called? Oh my gosh, what is that called? But you live with a family. I basically lived with family in Europe. Uh -huh. um, and the, the 
mom of the family was very health conscious. And so the dessert we would have would be half of a kiwi. And you would get a spoon and spoon it out from the skin and you'd eat it that mm-hmm. way. And it was actually delightful. Like I had never done that. I hadn't experienced oh, it that way. I was coming in expecting, you know, ice cream or whatever for dessert. <laughs> but it was such like a really refreshing, nice thing. So I grew to love this tradition of like, uh here comes the nightly kiwi that I can just scoop (laughs) out with my my spoon. Uh, So every time I think of kiwi fruit, I think of that. Um, I did have it in Australia, but the memories aren't as strong. However, I did have it in... um, I had it in like smoothies a lot or some kind of like drink concoction. Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, but it's just funny to me that the memory, the strongest memory I have of kiwi <laughs> is from Europe. <laughs> Not where from they're from. Yeah. yeah, yeah no. Yeah. And I actually had a very funny conversation with, we were having technical difficulties, um, as still happens, even though we've been doing this <laughs> from our home for several years, mm-hmm. when friend of the show, Eves, was on the other show I'm on, Sminty, and uh, I was just, you know, trying to take up time while we were trying to fix things and I was telling her this story and she was like really (laughs) surprised and was like so I shouldn't buy a kiwi anymore if it's only from these places and I was like well hold on I don't know (laughs) there's more to it than that but it was just it was funny like when we get to share these stories with people and they're like what what (laughs) yep 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 Uh, this one does have some twists and turns um, it does. It does. And they are not only from New Zealand. So that, yes. No, they are definitely not only. No. <laughs> um, but, all right. I guess that brings no, us to our question. Gosh, I, it, it brings us to a number of questions, I believe. It certainly does. <laughs> uh, kiwi fruit. What is it? Well, uh, kiwi fruit are a type of uh, smallish, slightly oblong fruit that have a, a thin-ish edible-ish skin. Um, Sometimes it's fuzzy. Sometimes it's smooth. The fuzz is sometimes more than you want to eat. But anyway, uh, (laughs) and in flavor, they're kind of sweet, tart, and juicy and have this like semi-firm flesh. They're about the size and shape of a of a extra large chicken egg. Um, if, if chicken eggs were not tapered at one end, so just a little oval. Yeah. Um, their skin is usually brown, but their flesh comes in a range of uh, sort of just translucent colors, from green to golden to crimson. Um, they'll all have this a uh, white core, running lengthwise through the center of the oval. Off of which you get this 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 radial structure supporting the rest of the flesh and these many tiny black seeds, um, and it's just really pretty in cross section, like um like geometric stained glass. The flavor is bright and a little bit um like puckery, like almost tannic, but gets sweeter as the fruit ripens, and it's kind of tropical fruity, yeah. They're eaten mostly fresh with or without their skin um, or used as garnish, but can also be blended into a juice for various drinks or dried. It's like um, it's like a little hand grenade of flavor. Um, at the same time, it can be so delicate looking and, and decorative. It's like um, it's like a piece of art in a museum that seems at first glance kind of kind of small or, or simple or like merely pretty. But then it just really hits you. Yeah, you have that moment where you're moved. Yeah, you're mm. like, oh yeah, <laughs> heck, 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay, the term kiwi fruit applies to the fruit of a bunch of different species in the genus Actinida, Actinidia. Let's call it that, sure. It's like 70-plus species. I've seen numbers ranging from, like, 50 to 74. At any rate, um, there's also a whole bunch of varieties within those species, and I'm pretty sure people argue about which are actual species in themselves. But, sure, the the, the plants that grow kiwi fruit are uh, climbing woody vines or maybe climbing woody shrubs that can reach about 30 feet or 9 meters long. Um they're usually grown on trellises, a little bit like wine grapes are. And the plants will lose their leaves every year, but keep growing back. Um, I mean, assuming you don't kill it. Uh, they, they grow these wide, veiny leaves and in bloom with these really pretty, sometimes roughly white to yellow flowers. The plants are either male or female, and you need at least one of each to pollinate, because that's how that works. Um, and if that happens, the female flowers will develop a fruit in what's to me the super interesting way that I, like, we've talked about a bunch of fruits before, and I don't think I'd ever encountered one exactly like this. Um, mm. This is this is where it took me some extra time to figure stuff out. Um, but okay, so uh, let's let's talk let's talk basic flower botany. Yeah. So um, you know, at the center of a flower's petals, the petals are sort of like funneling down to a base where there might be one or, like, a couple different kinds of threads coming up from the center. Yeah? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, these are going to be, th those threads are going to be the flower's reproductive organs. Um, if a plant has male parts, some of those threads grow pollen. Um, if the plant has female parts, at least one of those threads is meant to collect pollen and draw it down into the, uh, the ovule at the base and pollinate it. Yeah, that that female structure, the collector bit and the tube bit and the ovule bit is called a carpal. Female kiwi flowers have dozens, maybe hundreds of carpels that are all fused together at the at their base. And each one can be pollinated and grow seeds. Uh, but since they're all fused, um, they, they grow protective and nourishing and, and tasty flesh around those developing seeds all together. And that's the, that's the green stuff in your typical kiwi. Um, the white core is placental material, um, and, and the carpels all radiate out from it. The structure of the many carpels and the connective tissue around them is what gives kiwi fruit that, that sort of starburst pattern in, in a cross-section. And if you've ever gotten a kiwi that had a little like um a little like like clump of of thick hairs at one end, like looking like a little sea anemone, yeah, um, that's the very outer edges of a bunch of those carpels. Um, if you've noticed at the other end, a uh, stiff kind of leafy bits, that that's the base where the flower and fruit attach to the stem. So okay, <laughs> so that's how that works. Um, but meanwhile. Why are some kiwis fuzzy? I don't know. <laughs> uh, technically, no one knows. Um, that's spoiler <laughs> alert. This is still, yeah. Um, we can't just ask them. Um, we have to kind of suss it out, and it's sort of difficult. Mm. Um, but okay. Some kiwis do have so much and such stiff fuzz on their skin that the skin is considered inedible. And basically, no one knows why, for sure. Um, but researchers think... Um, based on research with peaches, which are originally from the same region, researchers think that the little hairs on the skin help physically shelter the, the, the main body of the fruit 
from hot sunlight, and from dry wind, therefore letting the fruit retain the moisture that it needs in order to mature. Yeah? Mm. Also, (laughs) other animals might find those fuzzy skins as unpleasant as we do and therefore avoid eating them. So, yeah. (laughs) Well, in a funny twist of your... uh... Oh, humans like that. Hmm. <laughs> um, one of the reasons my host mother at this at the place I was staying in Europe liked it was that it was kind of like a a bowl, a little it cup. Was... Yeah, it just comes in its own little <laughs> serving serving cup. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So you know, you win some, you lose some. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's that's how I grew up eating them too. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. uh, as an adult, I prefer peeling them, but anyway. Um, uh, Okay, so yeah, kiwi are very hard and and tart when they're unripe, but they do soften and sweeten as they ripen. Um, That inner white bit will have a slightly different flavor and a firmer texture than the rest of the fruit. The seeds are very small, like poppy seed-sized kind of, and like really pleasantly crunchy to me anyway. Um, There are specialized smaller varieties of kiwi fruit called kiwi berries that are about the size of table grapes and have like a bright green or red-purple skin when they're ripe. Um, their skin is smooth and 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 fine to eat. They're apparently frost-hardier, and I've read that they're tastier. I have never had these. I don't know. You write in. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Need to know about them. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, <laughs> uh, I love it whenever I find articles talking about the exact flavor compounds that make a fruit tastes like what it is. Um, yeah. So, okay, some of the flavor compounds that make up kiwi flavor include uh, ethyl butyrate, which is sort of like pineapple-y, orangey, um, methyl benzoate, which is a sort of fruity, floral, sharp flavor, and E2-hexanol, uh, which is sort of fruity green. Makes mm. sense. Mm. It does. I don't know All if fits. I. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I pronounced those correctly. I'm not going to go back right now. Um, and so, yeah, uh, you can eat them fresh or incorporate them into as, as a garnish uh, or, or incorporate them into any number of dishes. But of note, raw kiwi contains an enzyme that's fairly good at dissolving proteins of certain types. So, like, if you put slices or chunks or or juice of of kiwi into something that contains dairy or or gelatin, they'll kind of start melting. Um, Or like the gelatin will never gel in the first place. Uh, And the enzyme in particular is named after that kiwi genus. Oh. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, what about... The nutrition. By themselves, uh, kiwi fruit are pretty good for you, uh, high in fiber and with a bunch of micronutrients, including just a lot of vitamin C. Whole bunch. Um, uh, And they're relatively low in sugar compared with a lot of other fruit, so they will help fill you up. um, But to keep you going, you know, eat a protein and a fat. Yeah. 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 (laughs) We do have some numbers for you. We do. Uh, Okay, so in the first decade of the 21st century, global production of kiwi fruit increased by over 50%. Um, But even given that, uh, it was still only 0.22% of total fruit production around the world. Oof. Mm -hmm. Still a big business, though. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In 2015, kiwi fruit drummed up an estimated 1.5 
$1.05 billion in exports for New Zealand. Ooh, hoofda. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, however, just a year previous to that in 2014, China had become the top producer of kiwi fruit. So, mm-hmm. and yeah, they produce a little over half the global supply today. Um, they're also the top consumer. Uh, other large producers include Italy, Iran, and Chile. Mm-hmm. As of 2023, the global market for kiwi fruit was estimated at $1.8 billion and growing. Um, a tiny bit earlier, as of 2020, that amounted to some 4.4 million tons of kiwi fruit. Wow. <laughs> um, furthermore, I was reading that apparently as much as 30% of kiwi fruits that are harvested wind up getting rejected. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Not like on the dating scene. I bet it's like <laughs> I relate to the kiwi fruit. <laughs> and they oh. can they can still be used for for you know uh uh, uh blending or or other extracts. Uh-huh. Oh buddy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. Let's bring it back. Let's bring it back. Right, let's let's do a Guinness record. All right. There are world <laughs> records on file um, for both time to peel and eat one kiwi fruit and three kiwi fruit. Both are held by the same person, and both were achieved in New York, but not at the same time. Um, the record for one uh, is 5.35 seconds. Well, that no. that was set in 2008. Uh-huh. Okay. The record for three is 21.1 seconds. Um, and that was set in 2011. Oh, I would love to read the strategy. You know? The thought process. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm terrible at peeling things. Oh, um, yeah. I'm the worst <laughs> at peeling things. I have a scar. Oh. That's good. <laughs> I even bought a peeler to try to help, and that was where I got the scar from because I don't know how to use a peeler. I was about to say, that um, usually makes it worse. I, yeah, sure yeah. did. If you, if you can just use the, the edge of a spoon, that's honestly the best. Okay. In most cases. Okay. okay. I usually just ignore it. It says to peel, <laughs> and then I deal with it. Um, <laughs> I'm sure everyone, it's so funny because we're both kind of not in the chef, like, cooking world. Oh, yeah, no. And so a lot of times people are like, listening to a food show and they hear us talk about how we don't know how to appeal something. <laughs> Terrified. I understand. Um, <laughs> but it's fine. It's not our specialty. Look, I we never we never claimed to be experts that <laughs> No. We, we remind you all the time that we're not. We're we bring you the geeky science and history, which speaking of the history of this one. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, it goes in some places. Uh, it does. And we are going to get into that as soon as we get back from a quick break forward from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. 
Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursion? Time for chill vibes. Beach How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo play and we're back thank you sponsor yes thank you and we are back with so much controversy oh yep mm-hmm. oh dear and twist i think this would probably not be surprising for a lot of people but for me it really was mm-hmm. uh, it was uh the kiwi fruit is believed to have originated in china where it has been around for thousands of years One of the first mentions of it came out of South China and first millennium BCE poetry. And records indicate that it was being domesticated there in 8th century BCE. I get so confused with these dates. But uh, yeah, it was there early on, I will say. Great. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Um, And it was called the macaque fruit. I believe that's how you pronounce it. The monkey. uh, Yeah. The macaque. Uh, due to how these monkeys loved it. And that's according to a 16th century medicinal encyclopedia out of China. But the English, to cause confusion, uh, (laughs) (laughs) called it the Chinese gooseberry, which stuck especially in a lot of our Western records. Uh Mm -hmm. Uh, The kiwi fruit arrived in France by the 1740s-ish, but it didn't really catch much attention, uh, especially culinarily. I feel like a lot of people are like, oh, this is pretty, uh, but didn't do anything outside of that. Which, speaking of, by the 19th century, kiwi fruit was introduced in Europe at large and then soon after to the U.S., but many botanists viewed it as something interesting, aesthetically especially. But that was pretty much it. They were just kind of like, oh, look at this. Uh- <laughs> Yeah, and there were there were probably a few reasons for that. Um, uh, there hadn't been a whole lot of attention paid to developing different varieties of kiwi fruit yet at that point, and so like maybe it wasn't that tasty. Maybe it was mostly aesthetic. Um, but also, certainly, if you did have a really tasty one, um, it, it's sort of finicky to harvest and to uh, pack and transport, so it wouldn't have gotten that far. Right. Um... There were a lot of factors that that went into that. Um, but it, it was interesting to me because they were trying, uh, maybe yeah. perhaps not giving it the full effort it yeah. deserved. <laughs> um, but they were trying. For instance, in 1847, the Royal Horticultural Society planted kiwi fruit seeds. And then in 1904, the principal of an all-girls school named Mary Isabel Fraser came back to New Zealand from China with 
Chinese gooseberry seeds. She gave the seeds to a farmer named Alexander Allison, who went on to plant them in a riverside town. And a couple years later, in 1910, they fruited. That is a pretty average turnaround for for, for planting to actually fruiting uh, uh, from seeds to fruit. Yeah, it takes a couple years for for the vines to get going. Um, Anyway, yeah, it's thought that up through the 1970s, at least, all commercially grown kiwifruit varieties in New Zealand were from this one original seed stock. Wow. Yeah. Uh, But... A lot of selection went into kiwi production in New Zealand at this time, um, especially with the goal of producing larger fruits. And one of the most successful was the Hayward variety, which was a green-fleshed fruit named after its inventor. Yeah, um, and that is probably the kind that you're thinking of when you think of a kiwi. Yes. Unless you think of a gold kind, and then it's not. Yes, which we'll talk about in a minute. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Also around this time, folks in the U.S. and U.K. continued to experiment uh, with making the kiwi fruit a commercial crop, but neither attempts really worked out on a large scale. There were some successes, but most of them didn't really work. Yeah, yeah. Yes, but the kiwi fruit was a popular crop in New Zealand by 1940, and Americans and British people stationed in New Zealand during World War II really got a taste for them. Mm. And that led to growing exports to those countries. And then <laughs> on June 15th, 1959, agricultural exporters, turners and growers dubbed the kiwi, which was then still being called the Chinese gooseberry. Oh, yeah, for all this time. Yes, uh, by especially Western folks. Um, They dubbed this crop that they were sending to the U.S. the kiwi fruit for a couple reasons. Uh, They thought that they needed to lose the gooseberries since gooseberries weren't popular. Um, They debated several names, including Melanette. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Until they decided on kiwi fruit uh, after... The National Flightless Bird, which is this small, furry, brown creature, um, kind of looks like a kiwi fruit. Uh-huh. About the size of a chicken. Yeah, yeah feathers are kind of fuzzy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and through all of this, over time, kiwi became a term for New Zealanders. Um, but also, I wanted to point out, because this always <laughs> fascinates me, uh, this name change was in part due to the fact that berries like gooseberries, were subject to massive tariffs. So oh. they were perhaps trying to like... <laughs> to avoid. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't say like skirt any tariffs, mm. but kind mm-hmm. of skirt some tariffs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, I will say kiwi fruit are botanically a berry. And mm-hmm. furthermore, a- etymology-wise, um, or I guess vocabulary-wise, uh, linguistics-wise, um, you do not hear people say just the word kiwi to refer to this fruit certainly Mm -hmm. in New Zealand Um, right yes which is why I have been referring to them as kiwi fruit this whole time here in the states (laughs) you definitely just call them kiwis right yeah yeah that's true (laughs) write in and let us know yeah yeah (laughs) yes Uh, but Slowly but surely, demand for this product grew, and the marketing really took root. Uh, By the 1970s, the term kiwi 
uh, had really taken hold and really cemented it as a New Zealand product. In the minds of um, Americans. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. And this was during the Cultural Revolution in China, which was a time of turmoil. So that's where a lot of the kiwi fruit was coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, and kiwi fruit was officially chosen as the trade name in 1974. Yeah. Um, another marketing campaign launched from New Zealand companies in 1974 marketed the fruit in Europe pretty strongly. Um, in many markets, it was expensive up until the 1980s, but by the 1990s, it was pretty well known and available ish. Mm-hmm. Um, it was also somewhat viewed in, and marketed as a, a superfood. Yeah. Um, and this was also around when production in other countries had started to take hold. Uh, exports from New Zealand had started back in the 1960s. And by the 1980s, a number of commercial ventures were reaching fruition. And I am <laughs> not sorry about that pun. Not at all. Nor should you be. <laughs> um, One of those countries where commercial production took hold for the first time during all of this was China. Um, One source said that the first commercial crop was not planted there until 1978. (laughs) Oh, well, this is where a turn, Mm -hmm. a turn. Oh, yes. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So in 2010... One of New Zealand's most popular kiwi varieties, a yellow flesh variety called sun gold, was cultivated after the rest of the kiwi crop had been ravaged by a disease called PSA. Um, It cost the country's kiwi industry about 900 million New Zealand dollars. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, And this led to funding and research into other varieties. Of these, Gold 3, or Sun Gold, was the biggest success. Um, It had all the hallmarks of what people looked for in a kiwi, but was also resistant to PSA. Zespri, the company behind all of this, uh, moved quickly to get exclusive rights for this variety. Uh, Soon, the popularity of gold kiwi fruits surpassed that of green, and it helped the country rebuild their kiwi fruit industry. Yeah, uh, Zespri studied over 50,000 varieties in order to arrive at the sun gold. Um, I think it was like 50,000 down to like 40 that they really tested with down to like two or three that they finally arrived at, um, sun gold being one of them. Like farmers have to pay Zespri for the license to plant these, um, which is like half over half a million bucks per hectare. Which is about two and a half acres, so it's a, it's a hefty it's a hefty uh, license fee. But yeah, um, the fruit was super popular, and the business grew to the point that Zespri controls about a third of the global market for kiwi fruit. Period. Hmm. But in 2016, the company got wind that Sun Gold had been spotted growing in China. They hired private investigators to look into the claim. They eventually traced the source to a smuggler who had snuck in sun gold sprouts to China and sold them for a hefty penny, a, a good amount. <laughs> I I read that the perpetrator was a Chinese New Zealander um, who had been working as a kiwi farmer for several years um, and that he didn't really intend to smuggle the fruit. He just wanted to like share it and share some of his farming knowledge about it. He claimed that he never actually made any money on it, but I I don't I don't know I wasn't there. Um, no, 
Yeah. I wasn't either. Well, uh, New Zealand's high court eventually ruled against him, and he was heavily fined for about 12 million New Zealand dollars. Um, however, in many ways, it was too late for Zespri. Sun Gold was in China, and it was spreading. And isn't it ironic? <laughs> don't you think? <laughs> in the great words of Alanis <laughs> Oh, yeah. Um, But, you know, you know that that plucky little corporate entity just kept going. Um, (laughs) uh, Zespri co-founded the Kiwi Fruit Breeding Center in 2021 to continue research. Wow. I mean, I didn't know. I didn't know any of this. Uh, Yeah, no, zero percent. No idea. Mm -mm. I don't think I've ever had a gold flush kiwi fruit i've seen them but they've been a little expensive so i've never mm. never sprung mm-hmm. for them but now i guess i'll have to and if <laughs> i can if i can find some kiwi berries this is what i'm really interested in i'm like i'm like wait they're smaller you can eat the skin and they're tastier yeah I'm like, that's rude <laughs> <laughs> how dare you <laughs> okay well i feel like there's a lot of questions you listeners could answer about this one but yeah in the meantime, I think that's what we have to say about the kiwi fruit for now. It is. Um, we do already have some listener mail for you, though, and we are going to get into that after we take one more quick break for a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. Roller coaster. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back with (laughs) (laughs) Trying to fly. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes, you know. Yeah. 
Oh my gosh, which is a good segue into this. Well, <laughs> kind of into this next one. And Lauren, if you haven't looked at the link that I've included, I you must. Okay, um, clicking on it right now. Yes, you must. <laughs> All right. Susan wrote, Oh, Annie. Bless your soul. Martha, the last passenger pigeon, doesn't just have a memorial plaque at the Cincinnati Zoo. She has a memorial pagoda, one of the last remaining Averys from bygone years. The last time I was at the zoo, last year, I tried going in, but the lights were off. And even though it's basically a glorified closet, I couldn't see anything and had to leave pretty much right away. I haven't taken any pictures of the pagoda since having a digital camera or cell phone. But here's a link to the blog post about the renovated pagoda in 2014, the 100th anniversary of Martha's death. Listeners, oh, it is a sight. It is a sight. There's a beautiful statue. Yes. Oh my gosh. It is more epic than I could have imagined. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> the the letter goes on. Besides the glory that is Jungle Gyms, Cincinnati boasts a zoo that is world famous for its exhibits and conservation efforts. If you're ever in town, hit it up. It's a fun place to visit. Mm. Oh my. Look, this Jungle Gyms has come up several times. Yeah, yeah, but I I love is I love a zoo. I love a zoo. So I do too, and I just can't stress enough. Look up this. Look up Martha's pagoda. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good pagoda. It looks real solid, you know. It, it does, and it's a it's a statement, is what I'll say. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and I'm sorry I misspoke, Martha. Um, <laughs> much more. Much more than a plaque. Much more. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. A very, very noble statue. Um, oh, oh yes. my goodness. <laughs> Thank you. This is wonderful. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> Seamus wrote, uh, Hello. I listened to a lot of your episodes on a recent long drive. When you did your Quaker Oats episode, I was not prepared for how big the company would get. It's like how the special yarns company ended up making Bell Helicopters. I like to get old newspaper recipes from online archives and uh, found this ad in the Fort Worth, Texas Star-Telegram from May of 1933. The Depression was on, and the company has official-looking charts to show you why you should spend what's left of your grocery money on Quaker Oats. I also couldn't help snipping and sharing that other clipping that was on the same page. Your pigeon episode made me think of how the Dallas Convention Center has a large population of pigeons that lived on the site before they built the convention center on it. The city wanted to get rid of the pigeons, so they spent a lot of money having them relocated. As far as I can tell, this meant putting the pigeons in a truck, driving out to the countryside, and then releasing them. No one involved in this realized that pigeons are homing birds. As you probably already guessed, the birds came right back, and their progeny are still at the convention center today. Lastly, uh, your Caesar salad episode made me think of chicken Caesar salad wraps, which were one of my go-to snacks when I lived in Pennsylvania in the early 20-teens. A restaurant a few doors down from where I lived sold them cheap. Calling it a wrap may not be correct, as they loaded so much salad and chicken onto the flatbread that you couldn't have rolled it up if you tried. It barely fit into a takeout container. I remember a lot of people making fun of them as being food for girls, which always confused me. It's nothing but chicken and lettuce on bread, but I guess anything can be gendered. Um, Anyway, a few years after I ended up in Texas, I was with some friends, we were all kind of hungry, and I noticed they had all the makings of chicken Caesar salad wraps. It's not like any of the ingredients are supermarket rarities, and so I made them for everyone. They were 
bamboozled. I got questions like, what is this? What are you doing? How am I supposed to eat this? I did not think chicken Caesar salad wraps were some weird foreign cuisine in Texas, but apparently they were at the time. I was both relieved to not get any snipes about girl food. Um, If you've never heard of something, you have no idea that it's supposed to be gendered. But very confused about how a salad on top of flatbread could be so bizarre when one leaves the Northeast and goes south. (laughs) Oh, okay. Well, a couple things. One, we mentioned in this letter, Seamus mentioned a, a... a newspaper clipping. Yeah, yeah. So there's so there's a, there was a recipe clipping, and then there was another clipping from the same page. And I just, I have to read a bit of it. Um, the title is, <laughs> oh. Smoke Fills House, But Only Hat Burns. <laughs> hat. Hat. Okay, hat. <laughs> only hat. And then at the bottom, the hat, they were told, had been washed in gasoline and placed in an oven to dry. <laughs> Heat from the oven had ignited the headgear. The only loss was the hat. <laughs> well, that would do it, though, wouldn't it? <laughs> that would do it. I, remains of a hat were found by firemen. Oh, the poor hat. Uh, I mean, the poor <laughs> house being filled with smoke like that was not its <laughs> intended day, but... No. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> this um, is a plot of a Seinfeld episode. Wow. Yep. Washed in gasoline. I'm sure someone had an idea about yep. something. Yeah. Well, I'm glad it was only the hat. Yes. You know? Oh, goodness. That's actually such a... The only loss was the hat is, I think, the best possible ending to that story. So... hmm But, you know, <laughs> you have to mourn the loss of a good hat. I can say that. Oh, But we can gosh. mourn it in context. Yes. Um, yes. But yes. <laughs> I also love... I love this story of the pigeons coming back. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's very silly. <laughs> yeah, well, we, we drove them a good distance away. How could they possibly... You guys, you guys, I have some things to tell you about pigeons. Um, <laughs> they just got a fun trip to the country and then came back. I'm like, hi, okay. <laughs> um, and, and Caesar salad wraps. That sounds delicious. Oh, I don't yeah. think I've ever had one, but yeah. I've had mm, one that you. It. I've had one that you could wrap. Um, that, that was mm. fully wrapped, but this sounds good mm-hmm. too. I mean, put flatbread oh. under something, and I'm into that. You know, it's bread is tasty. Oh, yes, yeah. yes. And as always, it's so fascinating these kind of localized taste huh. and understandings of things. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> thanks as always yeah. to both of those listeners for writing in. Uh, if you would like to write to us, you can. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. We're also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at SaverPod. And we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening. And we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. 
Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. If you are happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.